When I retired, the uh, docents at the gallery decided to uh, <clears throat> present me with a book of comments that they picked up from the kids they'd taken around. And one of them was related to <clears throat> types of painting. My teacher had said, well, we've seen portraits, we've seen landscape. Um, can anybody tell me what a still life is? And a hand shot up. It's a picture that you'd think is going to be dead, but there's still life in it. <laughs> well, that's me after all this retirement. And, uh, <clears throat> I've been asked to speak to uh, you students about my career, and I'm really no use to you because uh, so much of my life has been luck and timing. And uh, <clears throat> I still will tell you a little bit about how it happened, but it's not necessarily transferable. Um, I uh, had this extraordinary uh, opportunity. I was in graduate school, and the director of the National Gallery came up on a recruiting mission. He was after an education person, but also he had a slot as a kind of young assistant, too. And he tried to talk me into uh, doing that. Well, I wanted to finish, well, finish this two and a half year degree with a thesis and a lot of requirements, and I wanted to get off uh, <clears throat> onto the working world. I had a job offer uh, from the Detroit Museum. And so he, he hauled me into his living room uh, <clears throat> a little bit afterwards, and he said, what would you really like to do with your life? And I said, I want to lead an institution that can be a cultural resource for its community. Okay, he said, how about doing that for the nation? Well, that was a hard one <laughs> to turn down. So I threw in my lot and uh, uh, never looked back. I worked for one company for 30 years. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, he groomed me. It was just one of these great opportunities of a kind of medieval apprenticeship. I had an office right next to his. He involved me in every decision. I became assistant director, deputy director, uh, <clears throat> and director eight years later. I was 34. And I went to my doctor. I said, I have this itch around my middle, and I think it must be an allergy to my, the elastic in my undershorts. He said, have you changed brand recently? No. He said, has anything in your life produced a stress recently? Oh, well, I became director of this institution a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you got hives. <laughs> so being younger than most of the people I was in charge of was something of a challenge, but it was really a lot of fun. Uh, how I got there was really uh, so exciting and very passive on my part. I had parents who were deeply into the arts, uh, <clears throat> chamber music, uh, old master drawings, architecture. I absorbed it through the pores. And then I did a lot of, uh, of training. I uh, uh, <clears throat> was at Harvard and was advised by a museum director not to study fine arts but to do a uh, broad cultural history uh, program called History and Lit, which I loved. Uh, I took a gap year before that to go to a school in England and that changed my life. I highly recommend any of you not to stay four solid years in your university but to get abroad, get that perspective. My daughter did it last year as a junior in high school at school year abroad, and it has changed her life. I mean, she's just a totally new person now, so uh, open and excited about the world. Um, I uh, 
got a lot of chance then to travel in Europe afterwards. But I had this strategic plan. I wanted to go to the Harvard Business School as well. Uh, at the age of 12, I drove from Union Station in Washington, and we went by the National Gallery, and my parents uh, remember my saying, hey, that's the kind of job I would like someday. Now, I didn't say that job, but they always remember that I had set my cap for cultural administration. That's the way I defined it when I was a kid. And the reason was I wasn't good enough at any one thing. So my analysis was to do a combination which would give me a niche. And it's really worked. I mean, the business school degree scares the bejesus out of the art people, and the art people, <laughs> and the business people think, well, I'm this art maven. And you can really flim-flam your way if you've got <laughs> these uh, strings uh, to your bow. Uh, anyway, I've had a fabulous time uh, in architecture, too, the Fine Arts Commission being a kind of architectural midwife. I always wanted to be an architect when I was little, and I realized I didn't have those skills either. I couldn't draw, I couldn't add and subtract. And to be, uh, uh, to be helping uh, realize the urban landscape and the built environment is really very rewarding. At the gallery, I got involved in this East Building project with IM uh, for 10 years. It was so exciting. We got into education, acquisition, and of course, the real thrill in many ways was exhibitions. Uh, inspired by my year in a school that had been a British country house, I cooked up this idea of having a show called The Treasure Houses of Britain. It was 500 years of art, patronage, and collecting, and we got a big grant from Ford and were able to recreate the environments from the Tudor period right on uh, into the 20th century. And uh, <clears throat> that was the year when we had a couple of other good shows, an Impressionism show and a Winslow Homer. We had 8.2 million visitors. It was the first time we outdrew the Air and Space Museum, which is usually the most heavily visited museum in the world. And we were surely the most heavily visited museum uh, that year. Since there were 750,000 visitors the year before I came director, uh, that was really rather heartening. Uh, the Treasure Houses show had <clears throat> the secret weapon, which was Princess Diana and her new husband came over to open it. And uh, <clears throat> there was a party at the White House the night before. Uh, then she went off to the St. Albans School uh, swimming pool to get her exercise. And the director of development thought he could bottle that water and sell it to raise money. Um, <clears throat> but I had this terrific mash on Diana. She was just so gorgeous, and they seemed a happy couple at that point. And uh, everything was just fine, but she was heavily jet-lagged. They'd been in Australia, so day was night, and the thrill of being at the White House on the right of the president and next to her hero, Barishnikov, and uh, dancing with John Travolta and all of that. And so she came with this great big saucer dome hat that was probably designed to uh, cover uh, her eyes, a little bit of shadow. And uh, <clears throat> uh, as she came out of the building after our tour, it was October day with a brisk wind, this hat developed aerodynamic lift <laughs> and uh, went off. My wife, who luckily played basketball at one point, made this leap and <laughs> caught it. But that photograph was on the front page from Rapid City, Iowa to Glasgow. You work seven years on an art exhibition, and that's what people remember. At any rate, uh, the rewards of being in the public service sector, I cannot describe to you 
uh, how exciting and fulfilling that is. Uh, I know our society with its consumerism and its advertising and its competitiveness and the great riches that seemed to come so easily a few years ago through the dot-coms has really skewed our value system overall. But I think people as intelligent as you are going to give yourselves a fair break in deciding what rewards you really value the most. And they tend not to be the material ones, which seem wonderful at the beginning and then turn to ashes in the mouth. What's exciting is helping other people, making connections between um, intellectual and artistic or whatever your bent is and the great public. And I highly recommend it as a career. Thank you. That's eight minutes right on the dot. <laughs> We have, we, we have time for a couple of questions. Uh, we can take a couple of questions if you have any. Head to the mics quickly. <coughs> Hello, I'm Michael Rudd from Lawton, Oklahoma. Of all the pieces of art you've seen uh, in your lifetime, which would you say is your favorite? Yeah, I had a great uncle once who was asked that kind of question about women. Uh, <laughs> And he said, you know, I love them all, but I adore the one I'm with. Uh, I get very turned on and very enthusiastic about whatever I'm working with. I'm working on a show or hot pursuit of an acquisition. And so it really varies. Uh, <clears throat> I, for a long time, felt at the National Gallery my very pet was the Vermeer woman holding a balance. And uh, I was so gratified when the gallery produced this terrific coup, which started under my administration, but the credit goes to the people afterwards who were able to shake down all of these collectors who would, don't really want to lend their precious Vermeers, and had the Vermeer show of all time. And uh, <clears throat> you may remember it was all kinds of problems. Uh, the um, government shut down and we had to close and uh, we couldn't extend it because it was going on to The Hague afterwards. And then when we opened, we had this humongous uh, snowstorm and that didn't work. And uh, so it became really hard to see. There was a wonderful cartoon in The New Yorker of this guy with a stubble beard crawling through the desert. And uh, you could think there was some kind of oasis out there. The caption was, Vermeer, Vermeer. <laughs> so I was justified that other people like him too, but there's a kind of magic there that's just spectacular. Yes? Galen Drace, Grass Valley, California. What's been your most rewarding experience as director of the gallery? Well, I think getting that East Building built. You know, I always wanted to be an architect, and I never knew that someone would come along with $100 million and tell me that I could build something in which I was in total charge. Uh, and uh, uh, a lot of um, uh, trade-offs and uh, working with uh, a lot of other people. But um, to have the American Institute of Architects poll its membership and have it voted one of the 10 best American buildings of all time uh, was kind of rewarding at the end. Yes. Hi, I'm Adam Levine from Scarsdale, New York. Um, recently, there's been a lot of talk about you know, what, if any, role the government has in art. The events in New York City have uh, caused this. What do you think about this? Is art, should art be completely free, or does the government mm -hmm. have any role in 
such no, it's, it's an essential uh, subject and conundrum. If you look at the compa comparable statistics about what our government does to support uh, the arts uh, compared to any developed nation in the world, it's pathetic. I mean, it is minuscule. The amounts uh, that they vote for the National Endowment for the Art is less than the budget for military bans in the Pentagon. Uh, it's, it's really a disgrace. Uh, it should be 10 times that amount. And uh, that doesn't mean that it should be all subsidized. I think that it's very important to have the private sector involved. But what the government can do, and it will never be able to afford to just support it, all of it, but what it can do is help give that kind of seal of approval that allows a private arts organization to go out and leverage that many times uh, in uh, public uh, support, and the numbers are all there to show the, the, fa the leverage factors have been fabulous. Now the problem is that politics rears its ugly head and it becomes fashionable uh, to uh, <clears throat> kick around uh, certain issues uh, that um, don't appeal to people who feel it involves homosexuality or uh, references to body parts or whatever. It comes from a basic misunderstanding of what the arts do. Arts are not a kind of ointment that you put on to feel good. Uh, arts are there to challenge, are there to make you think, sometimes to shock, and to let the uh, test of time winnow out what's important. But in a free society, with free inquiry and free expression, You've got to support the arts and not try to micromanage them from a political standpoint. So there's always that danger. But they get away with it in other countries, and uh, there's no reason why this country isn't eventually going to grow up and do a little better. <laughs> Sorry, over here. Catherine Thompson from Huntington Beach, California. What are your actual responsibilities as the director? Like, what would you do in a day? I know it. I, uh, my daughter once asked me, I got know she was six or so, said, Dada, what is it you do all day? Just sit around the office and command? <laughs> I love the image. <laughs> I, uh, when I was a student, I stayed with a French family, and the, he was a banker, and he said, you don't want to go be a museum director. All you do all day is dust pictures. So there are varying images of what we do do. Uh, it's pretty exciting work, actually, uh, <clears throat> and it's very varied. Uh, there's travel involved to uh, scout out acquisitions and to help jawbone lenders into uh, lending to exhibitions. And uh, when we were doing the Circa 1492 show, for example, which was uh, on the 500th anniversary of the Great Encounter, we decided to take a global perspective and uh, <clears throat> we had where Columbus started, the European culture, uh, where he uh, thought he was going, the Asian culture, and uh, where he ended up with the Mesoamerican, uh, Native American culture. And uh, that took a good deal of travel. Uh, but people got excited about it and ended up lending, and I think it opened a lot of people's eyes. But um, there's also administration. You're in charge of a, uh, of a budget. Uh, the personnel is over 1,000, 1,500, I guess, people now who work there. You have dealings with the Congress, dealings with donors. And uh, there's always the money aspect. 
And um, then in addition, there is uh, uh, the artistic side. Uh, when you want, you can get involved in the installation. Uh, that's such a challenging and fascinating game of what you put next to what. You'd think it wouldn't make any difference. It makes all the difference. Some objects fight with each other. Some create this click that makes it greater than the whole of some of its parts. And um, it's uh, uh, wonderful work, but there's education. Uh, before I became director, I was head of the gallery's outreach. We serve some <clears throat> uh, 4,000 communities all over the country with free loans of art, um, uh, history materials, and now we're into the internet in a big way, and into uh, uh, this diaspora uh, uh, <clears throat> of um, cultural perception. And so it's, um, it's the reward of this variety that there are no two days alike and um, a lot of it is people and meetings and trying to get consensus and sort of move things along. Uh, but in general, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting work. Carl Brown, thank you very much. Before we're out of time.